Lillian Vasquez with Lifestyles on KVCR. Thanks for listening. You may have heard my recent interview with singer Daniel Emmett, and we talked about his and Pia's concert on PBS, Simply the Best. On today's show, I'll speak with singer Pia Toscano. Simply the Best can be seen on PBS stations across the nation, including here on our sister station, KVCR-TV. In our interview, Pia talks about her experience competing on American Idol, her musical influences, and shares some of the songs she enjoys performing. Pia and Daniel will be in concert March 6th at Agua Caliente Resort Casino Spa in Rancho Mirage with the Desert Symphony. And KVCR has tickets. And now, here's my conversation with singer Pia Toscano. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so of course we have to talk about your experience on American Idol. But first, I'd like to get to know you just a little bit better. You're from New York. When you were a little girl, were you using a hairbrush to sing, or were you actually using a microphone to sing at an early age? <laughs> Tell me about it. So I come from a very musical family, and my sister, she's eight years older than me, and she picked up guitar really young. My dad is a guitar player. He's also a singer. So music was always played throughout my house. When I was about four years old, I picked up a microphone because my sister would often play the bodyguard soundtrack. And I loved, (laughs) oh my gosh, I loved Whitney's voice so much. And I knew from a very young age, like in some way, shape or form, that's how I wanted to impact people. I loved performing. I Mm -hmm. loved making people smile. So yes, for me, it was, it was an actual microphone. And my dad would videotape me like I put on shows and he even had a clap machine for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about your musical influences. Who were you listening to in high school? And did you have a plan after high school? In high school, I was listening. It was always Whitney, Celine, Mariah, Christina Aguilera, Etta James, and a lot of country growing up, too. I loved Faith Hill. I loved Leanne Rimes, Reba, Martina McBride. Like, I loved, like, those beautiful, powerful voices. Patsy Cline. Like, I was really kind of all over the place musically, lots of Broadway. And so, actually, in high school, I I went to LaGuardia Performing Arts, and um, I got the opportunity to perform in the choir of You Raise Me Up for Josh Groban. And so, Josh Groban really was pivotal for me, and doing his concerts, performing with orchestras, and, like, that influenced me and made me want I was like gosh if I ever go on tour I want to do a show like Josh Groban I want to have an orchestra and so yeah I would listen to his album every day on the train on the way to school and he was huge for me okay did you have a plan after high school did you know what you wanted to do or where you were heading for I didn't. I knew I wanted to get right into music. I started auditioning for American Idol when I was like 16 years old. However, my mom was like, if you don't go to college, you need some kind of trade. And so I went to cosmetology school and I got my license in hair and makeup. Did you get an opportunity to be a makeup artist? Yeah, actually, for a little while, that was what I did. I did a lot of Sweet Sixteens. I did some weddings. It actually helps me when I'm doing shows and tours. I'm very particular with my hair and makeup. So if I don't have one on hand, I I love doing my own. I still love doing my own hair, but I really (laughs) love doing my own makeup. Okay. 
that's it's relaxing for me. Okay, now I think I read that perhaps you might have been a wedding singer. I was. I was in the band Current Affair from the time I was 18 mm. till the time I made it on American Idol when I was 21. I'm wondering if some of those brides that you performed at their weddings are looking back and said, she sang at my wedding. Actually, I get a lot of messages. I still get asked <laughs> to join that band every now and then, and I'm really good friends with them. So sometimes, like, if I attend one of my friend's weddings and the band's performing, I'll get up on stage <laughs> and do a few songs. Like, that was huge for me and helping shape my musical sound and becoming, you know, versatile and prepared for American Idol. So some brides have probably posted on your social media and say, you sang at my wedding? They'll post on my Facebook and my comments or like their parents and be like, oh, she sang at my daughter's wedding. And it's really sweet to see. It is. Okay, so let's talk about American Idol and your experience in the audition process. But first, how old were you? I think you just said it. How old were you when you first auditioned on the show? And I want to talk about maybe the challenges, the song selection. But first, the audition process. I started auditioning when I was 16. But it wasn't until I was 21 and they changed the judging panel that I actually made it as a finalist on that show. Do you think it was the judging panel or do you think that maybe you had matured or you'd learned some things from the other times? What do you think played the part there? I think it was both. I battled with a lot of stage fright and nervous energy when I was performing. And so that would definitely affect my voice. I needed to learn how to still sing through because you know if your breathing is affected your singing voice is affected because it's all about breathing and controlling that you know so now I figured out how to power through my nerves but that took quite a long time and of course you know every time I'd get eliminated I would take my day to feel sorry for myself and then I would be like okay what was the constructive criticism what was the feedback this is what I need to work on you're in a tough business And criticism is going to come, as is praise. So the praise is a lot easier to take and make you feel a little better. And the criticism can can be harsh sometimes and deflating, I'm sure. And so you just have to, I guess, get back on that horse and keep trying. And you have and you did. So on American Idol, choosing songs is a challenge. And many may know what song you chose that got you booted off, but you got to sing it on the PBS special. But tell me about on American Idol, what songs, just that whole challenge of choosing what songs to perform. Is that your choice? Is that a coach's choice? How does that work? So it's a little bit of both. Of course, we're given themes every week that we have to stay within. We definitely have our own choices, but the, the songs have to be cleared as well. They have to have the rights to them. So you put down like three or four songs on a list and they'd let you know if they were cleared, then we'd sing through them. I, for me, my saving grace was one of the musical directors, Michael Orland, and actually Pisha McPhee, Catherine McPhee's mom. Michael was my, well, he was lots of things to me. He was my therapist, (laughs) (laughs) support system, musical director, but He definitely helped guide me, and Catherine's mom did as well because she was my vocal coach. Mm. Nigel Liskow also had some, he and Ken Warwick, they were the producers, and they definitely had feedback as well because they they want you to succeed. They want everybody to have their best performance because the better you are, the better the show is and the more competitive it is. So, yeah, it's it's a mixture of both. Michael Orland, he made my I'll Stand By You. That was my top 24 song. Mm. They had heard me sing all by myself 
few days before, and they're like, we should really save this because it's so good. We don't know if you'll make it past this point, but if you do, this would be a great follow-up song. So let's hold on to it, and let's try to put all these big notes into I'll Stand By You. And that's how I'll Stand By You. I got the first standing ovation of the season, and that's what secured my spot in the top 12. Wow. Quite an ordeal, that is for sure. Okay, I want to ask you about performing the national anthem. In fact, you did it for another PBS project, the National Memorial Day concert. Can you share your thoughts about performing our national anthem? I always love performing the anthem. My grandfather was a Marine, so I always feel like he's right there with me and that I'm honoring him as well. Uh, He had two Purple Hearts. So mm-hmm. performing the National Anthem for the National Memorial Day concert on the PBS special was like, oh, my gosh. It was such an emotional experience for me. But the National Anthem was the first song I ever performed in front of a crowd. Oh. And I started really young. I was, like, in the seventh grade, and I sang it at a school assembly. Like, just by chance, wow. I... um. I was in the band at school because, I, I, like I said, I got very shy and nervous, so I didn't want to be in the choir. It's like I was like, I, I, God forbid I get a solo. <laughs> I'll be too nervous. <laughs> so I played the flute in the band. And oh. my, <laughs> yeah, my best friend, Jonathan, he knew that I liked to sing. I would only really sing for him. Oh. And he was like a safe space for me. So he, we, there was like in our practice room, there's really good acoustics. And so... He's like, sing the National Anthem. So I started singing the National Anthem. And my band teacher came in, Mr. Cross. And he was like, was that you? And I, I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, my gosh, you have to open up our assembly tomorrow. Oh. And I was like, oh, God, okay. And you have to see, the, like, I don't know where the videos are, but I was, like, white as a ghost. Mm. My hands were so tightly held behind my back. I was so nervous, but that's what started my singing. And then from there on, I started, I won the National Anthem search for the Mets. And I sang for the Brooklyn Cyclones. And, you know, so the National Anthem was a huge part of me finding my confidence and my voice. Oh, that's great. I'm so glad to hear that. Okay. You have performed with some wonderful talent, including with Andrea Bocelli and Josh Groban, and then touring with David Foster. But you have to share your writing letters to David Foster as a little girl. Oh, gosh. I don't even know what I said, but I would make him demos. Like, <laughs> So me and my mom would watch Oprah every day. I think it was like on at 4 o'clock on mm-hmm. Channel 7. And my Aunt Jerry, she was always like on the other line. We'd call her up and she's like, you have to like send your demos to David Foster and Oprah. <laughs> well, actually, she was the one I think that sent them on our behalf. But, you know, he was always discovering, like, he discovered a singer named Sharice, and he (laughs) brought Michael Buble and Josh Groban and Celine Dion, like, on those shows, if I'm not mistaken. And so I was just so, like I said, Bodyguard was, I didn't know David at the time. I was four years old, but his music has always impacted me so much. And I feel like he's one of the very few producers that knows what to do with a big voice. To me, he's the best producer in the world. I'm so, so blessed that I get to work with him. 
as a kid, you know, I would just be like, I hope you like my singing. And <laughs> like I would sing, you know, I would sing all those big songs, but I don't think my voice is mature enough yet to be able to, I mean, I'm sure they didn't even listen to the demo tape. So I don't know exactly what I used to write in those letters, but, um, you know, I was just always trying to reach him and get to him. Yeah. And eventually you would. How would you eventually come to know David Foster? Well, that is quite the story, but um, it was because of American Idol. My first experience with him was actually not good. <laughs> it wasn't because of him. It was I had um, he had invited me to sing at Muhammad Ali's 70th birthday. I was fresh off of American Idol. He was the president of Verve at the time. And um, like at that time, he wanted to take over my record deal. So I go to his house, but I had laryngitis. Oh. And so... I never had it before, so I didn't know what the healing process was. I think the event was a few days later, and my speaking voice was starting to come back, so we were hopeful that my my singing voice would be just fine. So I didn't sing for him at the spot when I went to his house, but he was so complimentary and so just wonderful and encouraging, and so I was excited to do this event with him and honor Muhammad Ali. And, well, I... Uh, get on the plane and I just started to feel really unwell. I don't know if it was the, like the altitude or whatever. And, um, I remember my ears clogged so much that oh. I, I couldn't even hear anything. Like it was, it was so scary. I guess I, I, what, what was explained to me is that I had an upper respiratory infection and I wasn't healed by any means. Mm -hmm. And when you have laryngitis, your vocal cords are inflamed and they're, they're hurt, mm -hmm. they're wounded. And so, I didn't realize this. I got to soundtrack and I could not sing a note. Like oh. he he had known that I had laryngitis, so he did have this other note? singer. Yeah, he had a male singer that was there with me, but I mean, it was so embarrassing and I ruined that opportunity. I should have said no and I you know, I tried to power through cuz that was I was like this is my moment. I you know, I'd never experienced something like that before. And he didn't call me after that ever again until seven years later when I was reintroduced to him at Jennifer Lopez's Christmas party. And um, they have these like uh, sing-alongs. And so it was Christmas and they asked me to sing a song. And so I chose A Holy Night. Mm. And Benny Medina was like, David, you produced a version for Celine. You got to get up and do it with her. From then on, like, thank God, that was like my redeeming moment seven, eight years later. And um, and that was kind of what sealed the deal. Nice. I started working with him. Nice. And I've interviewed David over the years here in the studio and in his home and when he was living in Malibu with all his Grammys yeah, Grammy, sitting on his, yeah. uh, his piano. So we've done a few yeah. projects together. Let's talk about Simply the Best. When it came to producing Simply the Best for PBS, and I talked to Daniel Emmett about this as well, choosing a set list is always a challenge and trying to narrow it down. But I was so pleased that you sang Don't Rain on My Parade from Funny Girl. I love Broadway shows. I love Barbara Streisand. So I love that you chose that song. Why that song? I'm a huge Barbara Streisand fan. You know, my Aunt Jerry really loved Funny Girl. And um, it's one of my favorite movies and shows. I actually sent in an audition tape for Funny Girl when it was on Broadway. But I am so moved by Don't Rain on My Parade mm -hmm. and the meaning behind it. And it's just such a powerful, riveting, crowd-pleaser of a song. Actually, 
I sang it. it je- it's also Jennifer Lopez's favorite movie. Oh. For her, I think it was her 50th birthday, the musical director called me because I was, was coming to her birthday and they wanted to do like a surprise for her and sing all of her favorite songs and stuff. So they asked me to sing Don't Rain on My Parade. So I enjoyed it so much that I, I thought it would be a good thing to add to our show. And then the duet that you two perform with Beauty and the Beast, another Broadway show. It's such a beautiful song, and you perform it so well. Tell us all this time True as it can be Just a little change Small to say the least Both a little scared Neither one prepared Beauty and the beast That's such a timeless, like, it's such a classic and there's been so many beautiful versions done already and from the start of the music it's just like oh it warms your heart so I think it was really important for us to put in even though like we kind of reimagine like when we'll do like never enough that's you know we reimagine songs that aren't duets but I think it was important for us to also reimagine the classic duets as well and make them our own. So initially I asked you about you know choosing the set list one that would complement you your style your voice and then the duets with Daniel but what songs other than Don't Rain On My Parade, what songs did you want to have input? And I'm guessing it starts as a big list and then it gets narrowed down and narrowed down. What was the process like for you choosing what songs you would sing in the PBS special? Well, we had a huge list of songs. And of course, there were more that we filmed, but, you know, it's a TV show, so it gets edited down as well. I also sang Send in the Clowns, that. Oh. didn't make it to air oh. because, you know, you have to fit it into a certain amount of time. Right. So we just like went through a bunch of songs and the ones that complimented us the most vocally and story wise, that was most true to our stories. It's a lot of trial and error. Some songs we really loved, so it maybe didn't translate as well when we started rehearsing the show. Mm. We had an amazing musical director. Unfortunately, we lost him. His name is Jerry. And he was a huge part in making the PBS special what it was. He was just so enthusiastic and so encouraging and full of energy. And he really was pivotal in making that show happen. Now, you performed when they shot the PBS special. It was in Las Vegas. Tell me about that experience. Of course, it was the house that Elvis built, I guess. it's I don't know. Obviously, he yeah. performed on that stage so many times. But tell me just about making the PBS special in front of that crowd. And David Foster comes on and plays. I don't remember what song he played for. But the whole process of doing the PBS special with Daniel and, and getting your own show. I mean, it was just very special to us. It's an iconic theater. So many great artists perform there, so many legends. And so we were just really honored and humbled to be able to do our PBS special there and perform on a stage like that. And just having David was like, I mean, David was supposed to be on vacation and he changed his schedule to make it happen for us. Nice, But he did the prayer and all by myself. And, you know, David is just like, I've 
done his PBS special, and it's just like I, I grew up watching PBS specials, and so for me, it was just like it was a dream come true. I I always wanted to be in one of David's, and then the fact that David's and mine and Daniel's was just the biggest honor. Yeah. It was a full circle for sure. That's, oh, yeah. yeah, full circle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. In our last few minutes together, let's talk about your debut album, I'm Good, and the songs you include on the album. Tell me about the song, I'm Good. So I'm Good is a compilation. It's really the soundtrack of <laughs> my life from like 2017 till hmm. 2022. Did I put it out? It was um, just basically summing up the fact that, you know, there were times that I was not okay and that I wasn't strong and I didn't have a voice. And I just grew so much emotionally. I I have a song in there called No that was about feeling silenced and feeling like my voice wasn't important and losing myself. There's a lot of life left in me I won't be And then there's Walk Through the Fire. I wrote that when I was going through a divorce. And it's like, it's just very storytelling the entire album. And it goes from the harder moments and overcoming. And then to, you know, I'm Good it was a feel-good, empowering anthem for me. It was really coming to terms with the fact, like, I'll be okay. Like, I'm stronger now because of this. It was so healing. I worked with so many incredible songwriters and producers that I was just thrilled to work with. I mean, that was because of Iris Smith, who was kind enough to support me financially in that album. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to put it out. Mm. And she connected me with Usher and Nazri, who wrote Walk Through the Fire and What If We. And, you know, I was able to really tell my story finally in the way I wanted it to be told. Wow, that's terrific. I'm glad you had that opportunity to do that. Thank you. Did you write any of them? I know you perform and you belt it out and you have that big voice as you've described. Are you a songwriter as well? I co-write everything. I love being in the studio. And I, I mean, I, I, I like to co-write. I think more minds are better than just one. Like I usually will come in with a concept and mm. say, hey, this is the story I want to tell today. This is what's on my heart. Or sometimes it will just turn into a therapy session. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Walk Through the Fire was that. And I'm over here telling all my business to Usher. And <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of awkward. I'm like crying to him. Oh. And, um, you know, but I felt very safe. Yeah. Maybe a little therapeutic was, as well. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it really was. like. And then when I heard the final product, and then people, when they message you, and they're like, oh, my gosh, your song Brave, that got me through, you know, the ordeal that I was dealing with. Mm. And like that song then was meant to help one person heal. That nice. for me is why we do what we do. We have a kind spirit for sure, Pia, and it comes through. Thank uh, you. Okay, Thank I want to ask you, 
you've been performing. You've performed with some big players that we've mentioned. Who would you actually like to perform with or have a duet album with? Or who would you, even when you were a little girl to, to where you are now in your career, is there a few people, someone out there that you would like to sing and perform or you've thought about doing a duet with? Hmm. I mean, of course, like Celine is somebody that I've always wanted. I still have not met Celine. Really? I remember... Yeah, I, I went to her show when she had her Vegas residency, and I remember just the video, like the opening video started playing, and I started sobbing, and then I could not stop crying the entire show. Oh. Like, I was so moved and influenced by her, and so she's someone that I've always dreamed of singing with. Michael Buble, love him. Mm. Adele, oh my gosh, like... Sam Smith, I really love, hmm. you know. So what do you enjoy doing when you're not on stage, when you're not recording? What does a, a fun day or a good day look like for you? Um, it's funny. I'm pretty simple. Right now I'm stuck in the house because I'm snowed in. But a good day, I am blessed with five bonus children. <laughs> My fiance um, has five kids. And so... I think they're like my built-in buddies, and so. How old are they? Favorite. What are their age range? <laughs> his daughter's twenty-two. His son Mario's twenty. His son Nick is eighteen. And those fifteen, and Luca is thirteen. And we just have—they're the best kids in the world. We have so much fun together. That's really my joy is being with them. Nice. So you said snowed in. That must mean you're on the East Coast, or. I'm guessing rather I'm than in Nashville. It's oh, you're weird. in Nashville. Uh, yes, yeah, like literally snowing as we speak. So that's like playing ping pong with them. Or I love. I'm I'm really competitive when it comes to ping pong and air hockey. So we got a <laughs> ping pong and air hockey table for Christmas, and then uh, me and my fiance put some video games in our room. So literally, that's like that's my fun time. And and going to dinners with them. Like I love doing stuff like that. Wow, that's great to hear. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Pia Toscano and Daniel Emmett's PBS concert special, Simply the Best, can be seen on KVCR-TV, and they will be performing in Rancho Mirage at Agua Caliente Casino Resort Spa with the Desert Symphony performing on March 6. Tickets are available at our website at kvcrnews.org slash events. It promises to be a great show. Pia, thank you so much for your time. It's been a joy speaking with you. Likewise. Thank you so much. For more information about Pia Toscano and for tickets to their performance on March 6th, visit us at kvcrnews.org lifestyles and click on today's show. That's our show for this week. To hear any of our past shows, check out our archives at kvcrnews.org lifestyles or listen to Lifestyles on the KVCR app. You can also listen to Lifestyles on your favorite streaming service. Search for Lifestyles with Lillian Vasquez and take the show on the go. Lifestyles is on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks to all who helped to make this show possible, including Sharina Watt, David Fleming, Sean Houlihan, and executive producer Rick Dulock. Our theme music is provided by Ethan Bortnick. Join me next week at the same time for Lifestyles with me, Lillian Vasquez. Bye for now.